All right, today we are going to be reading from Ephesians 1, 3 to Ephesians 2, 10. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to take the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, may be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the workings of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus, in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. And I was going to have them read all of Ephesians, but um, figured, figured your legs would get tired. Um, I am not a great swimmer. I can swim, not a great swimmer, but I am buoyant. I can float. <laughs> um, 
this helped me one day when I was in Pensacola, Florida with my, my parents when I was in fourth grade. And um, there had been a lot of storms down there or something, and the waves were just huge. And they were so big that I remember getting hit with them and like pushed against the ground. And so my dad and I decided we were going to go look for shells out in the water and like, you know, with your feet and that sort of thing. But we did this for a while. But before I knew it, the riptide had taken us out. And we were in the middle, I mean, what I thought was like the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. And, um, and the people on the, on the shore were like just little ants. And I started to get really, really panicky. And so I took my little body and I just started to go as fast as I could. And I got really tired. And um, it seemed like the, far, the harder I tried, the farther out I got. I remember my dad being with me. Um, I'll never forget it. He said, uh, Robbie, he always calls me Robbie. Um, he's the only person in the world who calls me Robbie, but he calls me Robbie. He's like, Robbie, um, don't be afraid. I'm not going to leave you or let anything happen to you, but wait till there's a wave. And when there's a wave, you get on top of the wave and you ride it in. You swim as hard as you can, but don't swim until you see a wave. And so I believed and I listened to his instructions and, and my buoyant little body just floated on into shore for about 30 minutes. Um, a lot of times, my life, my relationship with God, um, I feel like I'm in the middle of an ocean. I feel like I'm fighting against the tide that is my sin, that is the world um, that I live in. No matter what I intend, I find myself doing bad. No matter, I find it, you know, in Romans 7, Paul talks about how I, I, I try to do good, but I keep doing the bad I don't want to do instead of the good I want to do. And I find that truth in my life a lot. The harder I work, the farther I feel from God. Instead of the gospel being good news, sometimes I feel shame with it. I begin to fight the ocean in fear. I step into the reality that when it's just me against the ocean, that's hopeless. But when I recognize the truth of my dad, I floated into the shore. In the same way, when I try and face the depth of my depravity, when I try to manage my sin, and when I face anxieties on my own, I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed by how truly sinful, how truly fallen, how truly incapable I really am. And my efforts are dry and seemingly fruitless because I will never earn God's approval or become holy on my own. But, when I recognize God's truth instead of mine and live in light of who he is, I'm brought to peace and hope. I'm able to live in the freedom of who I was made to be. In our relationship with God, we are faced with two options, two roads, if you will. One road is named pleasing God. And it's one we try to take a lot. It's where I try to live out of who I think God wants me to be. I try to be the good Christian guy. I try my best to follow all the rules, and then I feel shame as I, as I fall, and, and, and I feel like God's mad at me. And so then I like try to repent or atone and that sort of thing, and maybe I read the Bible a little more, and then I, I, try, I try back at it again. The second road is trusting God, where we walk in light of who God says we are. This would be the float-to-shore path, if you will. In the few short years that I've been doing ministry, I have found that this is something that's 
very constant within we as believers. So many of us struggle with living as though God is real. As though he is the one who saves us from our sin. A lot of us, due to our shame that we experience, have even tried to please God, tried to go down that road of pleasing God, and we do this through sin management. And what I mean by sin management is trying to prove to God that I am worth his love. Trying to get all my ducks in a row, trying to be the good dude that God needs me to be, and then, and then I, somehow I earn his approval. So I try to get all my ducks in a row. I try to hide my sin from others. I kid myself into thinking I can do it on my own. Only to realize that I, I constantly fail. I'm caught in the riptide of my own sinfulness. All in an effort to please God, I sink due to my own effort. For so many of us, I wonder if the gospel actually feels like good news. It has become, I wonder if it's become like trying to look and act saved, and then feeling shame when we fail. I wonder if our faith has a lot more to do with what we do than what God has done. Life may have felt new when I first accepted Christ, but now I feel burdened and weighed down because I just can't seem to do what I should do. We were reading in Ephesians, and I won't read the whole thing again, um, unless you want me to, and then I will but um in ephesians 2 8 it says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourself it is a gift from god so as i look into the scriptures the reality that that is actually presented what is actually true in regards to what god has called us to is that it is god's saving of us. It is God's work that counts, not mine. This year in our youth group, we have tackled the challenge of what I like to call living in the reality of God. Living as though God is real. And that he is who he says he is. And that we are who he says we are. Since trust is a huge part of our relationship with God, it is important that we continue to remind ourselves of who we are dealing with. And so when you open up this Bible, you are going to come face to face with a God whose love is unfailing, whose character is unchanging, whose power is unlimited, and whose promises are unending. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. All things were created by him and for him. He is holy, set apart. His ways are not your ways, and his thoughts are not your thoughts. He goes with you. His spirit is inside you. He is for you. He cares about you. And he makes all things new and brings dead things to life. And that God has made you, saved you, raised you. He has paid the price for your sins, and he makes the the Bible makes ridiculous claims that you are holy, that when you are in relationship with him, you are holy, blameless, and righteous. And I don't always feel that way. I don't know about you, but I don't always feel that way. But what God says about you and I is the truest thing about us. What this says is the truest thing about the world and the truest thing about you and I. And instead of trying to be who we think God wants us to be, we are invited to trust him and live in light of who he is 
and who he says we are. This is living in the reality of God. I think a great illustration of this type of a relationship is uh, marriage. And I have been married for five-ish months and uh, am a pro at this marriage thing. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm a novice, or as some of the kids who play video games would say, I'm a, I'm a noob, okay? Um, I will, but I, no matter how much I don't know now, and how much I will have to learn in the future, I will never be more married than I am right now. It doesn't get, I don't think there are like, uh, there aren't levels to marriage, right? Like a level 10 married person. Do we have any level 10s out there? Um, like, I don't think it gets any more married than I am. <laughs> but I hope, my hope is that I am able to live out being a husband in a fuller way as she and I continue this journey. That the reality that I am married to Anna Rose continues to invade my actions and my mindset so I live out my marriage and my role as a husband in a deep and true manner. In the same way, God through Christ, he calls us his children. He, call, he fully accepts us. He calls you blameless, holy. He calls you set apart for his purposes. And my hope that is, that is in this reality of his sacrifice, it invades my actions and my mindset, so I live out my relationship with God in a deep and true manner. Now, a lot of us who have been in this sort of, um, my deeds, like what do I do to get God to like me, are going to become parallel, paralyzed by this, because they're going to think, well, what do I do? Um, good, okay. Um, well, the Bible talks a lot about that. Provides a lot of descriptions about what the new life looked like. So if, if Ephesians 2 says that you, once you were dead in your transgressions, now the Bible, even Ephesians, but a lot of the Bible goes on to say, here's what being alive looks like. You were dead, now here's how you live that out. And so, and I, and I really do believe God cares about how you and I live. And so I'm not saying that he doesn't. But before I get into that, and I'm not going to this week, um, I'm not coming back another week. I just, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but now that I've taken over the church, um... <laughs> Sorry, that's not in my notes. Um, but I'm not going to stick to do's and don'ts right now. I honestly think our first response needs to be stillness and trust before the God who made us, saved us, raised us, and is making us new. God saved you for a relationship. The girls who spoke said that over and over again. That God has brought us into relationship with himself. He saved us to be in that relationship. And so our first response should be to be still. Know that he is God. Know that salvation is his. And in him. I was recently convicted by the actions of a two-year-old. I uh, had the opportunity, pleasure, yeah, pleasure, of going with the Clampets last Thursday um, as they had their world rocked. If you don't know, our children's director's daughter um, was uh, diagnosed with a, a tumor, um, neuroblastoma in her chest, um, which I'm happy to say um, she's in the clear, and they took it out. So praise God. There were a lot of people praying for that, so we can definitely... 
Praise God for that. But it was a parent's worst nightmare, and uh, John Mangrum and I were there on Thursday when, when they had first found out. And, um, and if you want to know what living in, this is a side, but if you want to know what living in the reality of God looks like, you should read Abe's blog, because uh, it was happening. Um, so anyways, I digress. Um, one story that's not going to be on there is that the doctors had a really, the doctors needed to put in an IV in her arm to be able to um, inject fluids into her. And uh, she was not having it. She was like, get that thing away from me. Um, and it took them three times. Well, no, they failed three times. And she was just, I mean, saying, get away from me, except it was in screams and moans. Um, and uh, the fourth time, she was in her mom's arms, and her mom's holding her. And she says, Naomi, Jesus is here. Jesus is with you. And that little girl, that little scared two-year-old, immediately relaxed, rested in her mom's arms, and they got that thing in so easy. Her mom said, I wish I would have thought about that sooner. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, the acknowledgement of God in that room brought her to stillness. I want that faith. I want to live in her reality. I want the knowledge that God is with me, that God is for me, to literally put me into stillness and peace. That I am brought before God with my anxieties, my sin, and I come to God as I am, and he loves me enough not to keep me there. I want that kind of faith. I want that kind of faith for all of us. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep, and this is my prayer for all of us, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I hope you know God better every day. I hope you know, I hope your goal is to know God better every day. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. My prayer for us this week is that we would be brought to inner stillness, brought to our knees before the God that loves us. That despite whatever storms or sins or earth-shattering moments you have, that you would live in the reality of God's sovereignty, of God's love, that you would stop fighting to prove your worth or please God and actively trust him. That you would live out of who you've been called to be. That you would live in the reality of God. And that you would do this life with him and come to know him in deeper and truer ways. Will you pray with me? God, um, I thank you, Lord, that you have not brought us to a place where we have to do this alone, God. You have joined us hand in hand, God, in, the, um, in our sanctification, God, in, in the creating us to be that which you've called us. God, I thank you uh, so much um, for your power in this church, for the way in which you um, stepped into um, Naomi's life, God, and 
um, how she has a story and she has a faith that acknowledges that you are real, that you are there. God, I pray that we would live in your reality, that we would live like there is a God, that our faith wouldn't simply be a Sunday thing, but we would live as though the God of the universe has made us, saved us, and raised us, and is making us new. Lord, it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.